episode number 13. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from Authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff. After 10 days in Italy, two weeks in the States, cleaning for Pesach and moving apartments, I'm finally here. I'm hanging on a thread, but uh, here we go with the Higher Life Podcast. In this week's podcast, we're going to have a powerful parable from the Chavetz Chaim, the need to mobilize. Then we're going to have a great story also about the Chavetz Chaim, about him missing the train. The portion of the week is Emor. We're going to have Rev Yeruchim on building self-confidence for a healthy self-image. And peace in your home, the sixth commandment of marriage of Rabbi Avigdor Miller. Never say I hate you or you are ugly. The parable of the Chavetz Chaim goes like this. In a time of peace, and you have an army, so the standing army gets the best men, trains the best men, and who's in the army? The strong and people without elements or handicaps, and they're for a fixed period, and then they get another group every couple years. But in times of danger, everybody's mobilized into the army. Doesn't matter who, what, or where. Everybody has to do something. If you can handle a weapon, you go to the front lines. If not, you work in an office. If not, you drive a truck. It doesn't matter what. When there's a war, everybody works in the army. So the Nimshali is according to the Chavetz Chaim, the comparison is, nowadays we're in a war. We're in a war against the evil inclination. He's trying to take Torah out of the world and bring all kinds of nonsense into the world. So every Jew and every person has to do the right thing. Every person has to fulfill his purpose in order to fight the evil inclination. So whether it's talking about teaching somebody else or giving somebody else rebuke, but the Chavetz Chaim says the main thing is the little school children. We have to make sure our children all go in the right way. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. Now here's a great story about the Chavetz Chaim. One time the Chavetz Chaim was hurrying with a suitcase to a train from Vilna to attend a very urgent matter. He turned onto a street that led to the station, and all of a sudden somebody came up to him and said, Can you complete a minion from Mincha prayer to Davin to pray in the home of a mourner? Somebody's asking him if he can be the 10th man in the minion in the home of a mourner because mourners have to pray in their house. So even though the Chavetz Chaim was in a tremendous hurry and it was very urgent, he decided it would be better he goes to the minion in order that it shouldn't be a chilu Hashem. It shouldn't be a desecration of God's name. The people see that the Chavetz Chaim didn't help them out when they asked. So in order to sanctify God's name, Chavetz Chaim went to the minion and missed the train. The portion of the week this week is Parshish Emor. And Rav Yeruchim speaks about Chilo Hashem, the desecration of Hashem's name. And we're going to talk about how to build self-confidence and a healthy self-image. The verse states like this, Lo bab amav The simple understanding of the verse is, according to Rashi, that a Kohen should not desecrate himself by marrying a woman he's not supposed to marry. For example, a regular Kohen cannot marry a woman who's divorced, and he can also not uh, impurify himself by touching a dead body or being in the room with a dead body. And on top of that, a Kohen Gadol cannot even marry a widow. So why is that? Because a Kohen has a special status among the Jewish people. He has a higher level of spirituality. The Shem Mishmu explains 
that his job is to connect the spiritual with the physical, and that's what's going on in the temple. And he has a higher status than a regular Jew. And we see that even though it's a chesed shoemis, which means when you bury a person, you're not going to get anything in return. There's no compensation. No one's going to pay you back. And even though it's a tremendous mitzvah, a Kohen cannot degrade himself and touch a dead body. So Rav Yeruchim, the Mashkiach Mamir, explains that also applies, for example, to a Tamachacham, a guy who sits and learns all day. We know that someone who's sitting and learning Torah cannot stop learning to do a mitzvah. The only mitzvah he can do is Iyav Acher. Only if it's a mitzvah that somebody else can do, he has to help his wife, no one else can do it, so he has to do that mitzvah. But anything else, since he's learning Torah, which has a higher status than any other mitzvah, he can, cannot stop that mitzvah in order to do another one, because that would be degrading the mitzvah of learning Torah. And this is the idea of Chilo Hashem, degrading the name of God. By lowering your status, you're going to degrade the name of God. Also, you have the same concept by Shabbos, Chilo Shabbos, the degradation of Shabbos. For example, on Shabbos, you're supposed to have different clothes, you're supposed to walk differently, you're supposed to eat differently, and you're supposed to talk differently. Why is that? Because Shabbos is kadosh, Shabbos is holy, and you're supposed to act differently. If you don't act differently, you're degrading the Shabbos. And desecration and holiness are opposites. For example, holiness, he explains, is separated and elevated. When you make something special, you make it holy. In other words, you're giving it a higher value. On the other hand, desecration of something is to destroy the value and equate it with everything. In other words, if you say that this thing is equal to everything else, you took away its value. You just leveled the playing field. When you level the playing field, nothing has value. And he brings the Shari Tshuva who says everything was made for the honor of God, who brings a, a raya, a proof Mishiao that says, Everything is called by my name, and from my covet it was created. Everything in the creation is needed. Everything in the creation has value. It's a piece of a puzzle. Every piece in the puzzle has to fit. We know, for example, Einstein even said that after the bees will die, the world will be destroyed. And there's other scientific uh, theories that if the ants wouldn't exist, the world will be destroyed. Every little piece of creation is needed, and every little piece of creation has value. So you have to give it its value. You can't level the playing field and say, this thing has no value. Everything in its right place. So the question, what is the value of man? The essence of man, he explains, is to serve and to fear God. That's the highest thing that a man can do with his life. Because a man was created to sanctify God's name. When a, people see a, a person serving God, doing mitzvahs, and, and learning, they wonder what he's doing. That's the sanctification of God's name. They say, this person is bringing God into the world. And if a man lowers his status and does other things, so he's desecrating God's name. Now, obviously, every person was created with different capabilities, so a person has to do what he's capable to do. But if he doesn't do that, it's a desecration. But he can't go the other way. For example, let's say a person says, I want to live with the animals. So that's nothing to do with him standing up for his rights or doing the right thing for his own honor. He's not an animal. He's not supposed to live with the animals. He's a man. A man can't live with the animals. He's going against what he was created to do. He's not an animal. And now he says a very powerful thing. He says a ben Torah. What's a ben Torah? A ben Torah is someone who every extra moment that he has sits and learns. Like I explained many times before, if Chaim Belajan said there was only two seders in the yeshiva. That was a sleeping time and eating time. Every other second was learning time. 
So even if a person works, but at least every second he gets off, he tries to sit and learn. That's a Ben Torah. That's a person who's dedicated to Torah learning. So he says a person like this who's serving God in such a way, if he mixes, he wants to be humble. He has, thinks he has the right intentions. I want to be humble. I want to equate myself with all man. I'm going to mix with the, the group. So he says, that's the Chelo Hashem. It's forbidden to lower your status. You have to realize that you're doing something special. That doesn't take away from the love of the honor that you give to other people. It's just the opposite. The more you do the right thing, the more you're going to see the good in other people. But don't equate the garbage man with you. And even if you're doing it for the right reason, but it still comes out to be a chelo Hashem, because you have greater capabilities than the garbage man. Maybe the garbage man is doing exactly what he's doing according to his capabilities. But each person has to fit into the puzzle according to how he was created and his capabilities. It's forbidden to lower your status. I remember when I was a kid, I had a summertime job building houses. So that was okay as long as we were using wood. What happened was we switched. They started to work on a different building. We were doing metal. I was sitting all day cutting metal. So the boss comes up to me and says, listen, this job is not for you. He says, you're too smart for this job. And he fired me. So when I got home, my father wanted to know what happened. I told him I got fired. He was upset. I said, yeah, but he fired me because I was too smart. I wasn't created for cutting pieces of metal all day. That wasn't what I was made for. And one day I was sitting in the mirror and uh, we're all, there's a huge dining room with like a thousand people eating. And I see a couple of Jewish kids helping, you know, the Sudanim in the kitchen over there. They clean up. They're part of the cleanup crew. And I'm thinking, these boys, they come from good Jewish homes, and they're helping the Sudanim to help to clean up. That's what they're doing with their lives? Just because they got turned off by Yiddishkeit or something happened to them? I really, literally almost started to cry. Those Jewish boys have tremendous potential. They don't know their own self-worth. They don't know who they are. They're the sons of the king. And there's so many of us like that. For example, a man has a dog, and he has to take his dog for a walk, so he carries it in a little bag with him. When the dog makes, he takes his bag and picks it up. Is he crazy? Is that, is that what a man, <laughs> what is this man doing? Serving a dog? He's picking up the stuff of, of a dog? He doesn't know his own value. What if you found out you were a prince? It would change the way you looked at yourself. Rabbi Vigdor Miller used to say at a boy's bar mitzvah that his hat was just as important as his tefillin. The fact that at a bar mitzvah, a boy starts to wear a hat. That hat that he's wearing is just as important as tefillin because that hat says, I'm a ben Torah. I'm special. I'm separate. I'm unique. I was created for a greater purpose, for a higher life. So the question is, why does this go against the grain of so many people? When people say the Jews are the chosen people and Jews cringe when they hear that. Why is that? So the answer really is that it comes from sin. When a person does the wrong thing, he starts to lose his self-confidence. He loses his self-worth. So the question is how to get back the self-confidence and to accept that, yes, we are the chosen people. We're not racist. We're ethnocentric. There's a difference. We hold anybody can become a Jew. If you want to join us, please do. But we do hold that what we're doing is the greatest thing. It's like the Woody Allen joke that says, any club that would accept me, I don't want to join that club. It's the opposite, though. So the question is, how do we gain our self-confidence back? And how do we gain our pride, Jewish pride? How do we get it back? So there's two ways that I know. One thing is clarity creates confidence. The greatest factor for a person's self-image is his ability to trust his grasp on reality. The more you develop your intelligence, the more you will develop your self-confidence. 
When you can believe in your power of decision-making and your power of perception of reality, that gives you self-confidence. So learning Torah helps to accomplish that. When a person learns back and forth and he struggles inside the text, it builds the muscles of the intelligence and that builds self-confidence. The second thing is good deeds. If you want to build self-confidence, self-worth, do good deeds. Do deeds that you know have real worth and God said they have real worth. Learning Torah has the combination of both, directly working on the intelligence and it's a good deed in itself. But the combination of learning and doing good deeds is the thing that's going to bring back the confidence to the point where we can say, yes, I am special. I am unique. But it's not arrogance. It's a healthy self-worth. Just the opposite. A person who's embarrassed to take his position in life, that comes from a low self-image. That's really arrogance. You're saying that what you're doing is the greatest thing, but that doesn't mean you're disrespectful to anybody. That doesn't mean you don't love people. You hold you're doing the greatest thing. And if you are not doing the greatest thing, then what are you doing? It's very sad to see a person not live his life and feel that he's doing the right thing. And we have to fight this in the world because the world now is trying to equate everything. There's no values. Everything goes and everything's the same and nothing matters. There's a yeush. Who cares? You could do everything. Nothing makes a difference. That destroys the personality. That takes away the self-worth of a person. If a person sins, he loses his confidence. So I just want to end off with the Shem Shashmuel. He brings the Sphere of Omer. This week's Sphere of Omer, this time period, he talks about the Talmudim of Rebbe Akiva, and he says the same thing. We know Chazal tells us that the reason why they died because they didn't give honor one to each other, which is a hard thing to understand. We're talking about tremendous Talmud great righteous people. So what does it mean that he didn't give honor one to each other? So he wants to explain there that they didn't give the honor to the individual tzaddik. They gave honor to Torah learning in general. They understood that it had value, but they didn't give the value to each individual. And he brings a nice proof that he said from the name of his father that Nisan was the time we made out of Mitzrayim. The sign of Nisan in astrology is the lamb. So the lamb is the community. The lamb follows along with the group. Er, which is the next month, is the bull, which is the individual. So they didn't recognize the bull, the individual. They didn't give value to the other person and his individual place in the service of God. And the next month, which is Sivan, that's the twins. The twins is the balance between the community and the individual. So all the honor has to be given, even though a person says, yes, I am doing the greatest thing. And yes, what I'm doing has true value. But that doesn't mean what everybody else is doing doesn't have value. <laughs> it means whatever they're doing. So that you have to have a balance between the community and the individual, which is the month of Siva and receiving of the Torah. That's the balance between the two. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. And now the sixth commandment of marriage, according to Rev. Victor Miller, never say I hate you and never say you're ugly. So the person who says those things, he's like taking a a piece of precious chinaware and smashing it on the floor. You should never say these things. And you should never really never say to your wife, you're ugly, especially to the wife. He says you must maintain the imaginary situation that existed at the moment of the marriage forever and ever. In other words, that picture you had in mind when you married that person should stick throughout the entire marriage. You shouldn't acknowledge any change in appearance. Anybody who says you looked as nice as when I married you is going to get the next world a little bar for that. You shouldn't even hint at the fact that the person doesn't look as well as they looked. His marriage is based on the feeling of attraction between a couple. 
Many times as time goes by, people get older, there's no physical attraction. However, the illusion has to continue forever, he says. He says, even a great grandmother with one foot in the grave is still checking herself out in the mirror to see how many wrinkles she has. It's very important to her. Tells a story that one time a husband used to say to to his wife, they're a young couple, I see women in the street who are much more beautiful than you. This is simply a crime. The woman raising a good family, she's a loyal wife and she's a good cook. She does everything for him. Is it fair to say that I see women that look nicer than you? He says, well, I'm sure when people walk down the street and see her, they say to their wife, I saw it today, a woman looks nicer than you. And he says, this is a very, very serious thing. And you can destroy all your mitzvahs. All the good things you're doing can be destroyed. So never say the words, I hate you, and never say you are ugly. So that's it for this week's Higher Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. Please leave comments on the blog. And have a great week. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit rabbiminterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments. 